This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I say... It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. What's up? Nothing much, dog. <laughs> Yo. That's good. That's good. Ready to watch some Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. I love watching Star Trek most of the time. <laughs> well, today we're going to do commentary, and uh, I decided that we would do commentary on your favorite episodes so you would enjoy watching Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So this week we're going to do a commentary of Arena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the Gorn. The one with the Gorn. Everybody everybody knows that one. Even yeah. Even Benjamin Sisko knows about you know, Kirk fighting the Gorn on Cestus Three. There's a, there's a guy um, who I'm, I'm friends with on Twitter, and we were talking about uh, the possibility of Roberto Orsi directing the new one and everything like that. And he's like, oh, these new movies, I don't really like them. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, I've never seen any other Star Trek. I just can't get into it. And I'm like, watch Wrath of Khan. And he's like, fine. So I'm like, if you want to, watch Space Seed first. And mm-hmm. he did. And he's like... Wrath of Khan didn't do much for me, but Space Seed was a lot of fun. Give me more Star Trek. I want the one with the fight. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're talking about a muck time, but you also have to watch Arena. And I gave him a picture of it, and he's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Everyone loves Arena. And we've already done a muck time. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Arena. So, as usual, you don't have to uh, be watching the episode. We're going to try to keep it in generalities, uh, uh, trivia, and, and talking about experiences with the episode, not necessarily, look at that thing. That's stupid looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've seen Arena. You've you know seen Arena. You can, you can watch it in your mind's eye. Yeah. You can watch it much as the crew does on the bridge later. There you go. So uh, we've got everything uh, queued up at uh, All Zeros. I'm watching on Netflix, and uh, of course Mike is watching on Blu-ray. And you're watching and... the enhanced version with the new special effects, and I'm watching the original version with the original yeah. special effects. As, so it, as doesn't usual. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If as long watch... as it's not like PAL or something, it's right. sped up. If you're watching a DVD in, in the UK, then you're screwed. And sorry, but we're not as good as To The Journey, so we're not going to release PAL sped-up versions. We apologize. You can do that at home. <laughs> there you go. Sure. Or you, you could just the get technology. the Blu-ray. I mean, come on. This is the, the <laughs> 21st century, people. All right. All right. Everything's queued up. We'll start uh, on start. So it'll be 3, 2, 1, start, and then we'll push, we'll push play on start. 
And if you don't push play exactly on start, it's going to be all messed up, and you won't have any idea what we're yes, talking about. Yes, because we're going to be mouthing the dialogue along, and then you'll be you'll know whether or not you're off sync. We're not going to do that. No. All right. Three, two, one, start. All right. Enterprise in orbit. Mm-hmm. Standard, As always, standard, standard orbit, orbit even. Yeah. Now this scene here, this first scene is really weird to me because they're all like, "Oh man, I can't wait to go down to this planet. This is going to be awesome. This guy's so cool." Do you think he? And it's like they're having this conversation for the first time, even though they must have had it before, and they think they're being like really clever and funny. Uh, well, Rank has his privileges. <laughs> it's so weird and goofy. I don't know it's, what's going on in this scene. It's also weird seeing uh, Kirk and McCoy in the foreground so much that here we are talking about details of the scene. Anyway, it, it looks like there's no wall there, which there isn't a wall. The, they took the fourth wall out. But mm-hmm. on other angles from the of the transporter room, they should be in like halfway inside the wall. It's it's a very uh, Orson Welles like shot. It's like something straight out of Citizen Kane. This episode is the Citizen Kane of Star Trek. <laughs> there, I like how. Uh, well, Kirk looks the best. He he got up on that that transporter pad and he did the Picard maneuver, pulling down his his shirt, and everybody else's shirt looks stupid because it's all wrinkled. Let's be honest. Kirk always looks the best. I also like the little cheap effect that they did there in-camera effect by uh, moving moving from the, the transporter pad to a close-up of the uh, transporter controls so as not to have to pay for the transporting effect on the, the front end of that. <laughs> well, they've went on location. they got to save money now. Yeah. And them going on location, I think, is really plays a big part in this episode's success. I mean, even this stuff at the beginning here, and this is kind of an epic tale i mean it starts off with them wanting some dinner some good hospitality and then they go down to this this planet where it's just like gone you know it's been Mm -hmm. bombed bombed to hell and and that you know that location too i think is is really cool um there's like two locations and uh that that really helps to sort of open it up and give it like a lot of a lot of scope. Yeah, apparently that uh, that uh, fort was was built for uh, built for a Wild West show. Ah, okay. You can actually no, yeah, it was actually in uh, episodes of the Wild Wild West. Wiki Wild, Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West. Yes. So it's one of those uh, iconic things. Uh, unfortunately, they uh, they tore it down uh, because they didn't want to keep it from falling over. Yeah, yeah. As as you can understand. Yeah. It was built in the fifties for the television show Tales of the Seventy Seventh Bengal Lancers. Oh, and that that's good. That's a good show. Really? I've never seen it. Oh, okay, good. It's a great title, like... though. <laughs> And uh, it's actually it's actually in Vasquez Rock, so it's not like it's two, like completely separate locations. It's just yeah, they took advantage it, of the situation. Yeah. And and the other thing is, it's so big that like like with this shot here and everything with the zoom, and you've got the thing in the foreground. 
I mean, you thought that they were getting a lot of uh, depth with that that transporter room. I mean, here they're they're able to like actually like slap on a couple semi telephoto lenses to these these cameras here and and shoot it from way in the in in the distance and give it uh, a look, which is usually not found on Star Trek. I yeah. like that. Really gives it a lot of scope. And and this whole scene here, I think, is is really cool because you get you get to see like a lot of uh, strategy in a sense, but it's all told from their perspective. You know, you're not seeing the whole battle; you're seeing the battle from the crew's perspective. And, and I, I I hate the red shirt cliche, but I mean that guy was. They were like, "Hey, there's there's creatures over there." You know, maybe they're hostile. And he literally just stands there and he's like, I think I see something and gets disintegrated. It's like, what? He had it coming. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing bright red outside. Yeah. I mean, I've got that tie. It's really bright red when you're outside. (laughs) It's not his fault that uh, Starfleet's um, uniform makers are maybe not uh, the brightest. And Kirk kind of blends into the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe this is the episode that uh, that gave Nimoy and Shatner tinnitus oh, from, yeah? from all the explosions. Uh, tinnitus is where you get the ringing in your ears all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I had a boss that had it. So there were there were some pitches he couldn't hear because it just blended in with his uh, tinnitus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the explosions are right there. <laughs> yeah. And I like even the detail in this, like, you know, life support ramp three or whatever it says and everything like that. That's pretty cool. Um, I guess it's a lot easier to build a an outpost when it's in ruins than... Yeah, than bustling. Fully formed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whenever they do, like, Starbase 11 or whatever, it's always that, you know, a map painting and a wall. Now, they say here that Sulu is in command of the Enterprise. Where's Where's Scotty? What's he up to? I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's in engineering. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, kind of like I was saying before, like, this episode is known for the fight between Kirk and the Gorn, but it's got... This is what it's known for for me. This episode right here? Is, or is this, this, this part, scene, where, this part where, right? where Kirk does all this crawling and tucking and rolling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is great stuff, you know, but it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because once the Gorn shows up, that's all you remember. But this episode has so many things going on in it. You know, it's 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 pretty pretty big. You know, you got the this this fight here, and then you know they they go back up onto the ship. Spoilers, and and they're they're chasing the Gorn ship through space, and then you get into the heart of the episode, which is you know Kirk versus the Gorn, and then afterwards you've got spoilers the the godlike being, <laughs> and because of that, because it has all of those sort of uh, um, Star Trek like elements in it. I, I do consider this in many ways to be like the quintessential episode of Star Trek. And uh, this is often one that I show to people if I need to show them only one episode to give them an idea of what the original series is. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. 
there's a lot of dynamic shots. Like uh, there was that nice pull over to Sulu here on the bridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really really well shot. Yeah, I want to say it was a Joseph Pevney. Yes, who was one of two people along with Mark Daniels, I think, who directed the most episodes of the original series. Yeah. I think by the second season, they were uh, trading back and forth every other episode. Yeah. And I like that uh, that there is a survivor. It is weird that, that they couldn't tell that, one, there was another ship in orbit that you know, there were a bunch of aliens on the ground and that Cessus 3 was completely destroyed. Don't you have to, like, call down there like, hey, we're, we're beaming down. Everything cool there? Yeah, well, everything's but, fine. But they did have the, the call, because, like, there was a faked invitation and everything, right? Oh, was that the Gorn? You think that was the Gorn, like... I think so. Doing their impression? Right. They're like, everything is fine it's, there's nothing just come down we have fried chicken <laughs> it's good yeah i like this I little did, canon thing yeah and you know you, you you never really think that you know oh star trek grenade launchers it's mm-hmm. not so the the ship left orbit and and they're down here with a grenade launcher i mean yeah, you only remember the Gorn fight, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in this episode. I mean, I think, was this the first episode that Gene Kuhn wrote? I know it was one of the first, if not the very first. Um, I'll look it up now. But they talked about that in, in Mark Cushman's book about how, uh, you know, it was an early thing, and, and Kuhn had come in, and he, he had written this thing, and he was, you know, ra- rather proud of it, and everyone liked it. And then the uh, the researchers uh, decided to, um, you know, obviously do their their background checks on it, and found that it was very, very similar to a short story which had been written uh, over twenty years prior, and uh, it was one of those cases of accidental plagiarism. And uh, a little bit of an embarrassment for for Kuhn. And, uh, you know, that's why why there is a a short story credited. Uh, Yeah, and that's good. Usually you hear about the story from the other way around. Like, you know, you stole my story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a, that was a a secret window reference there. Oh, Oh really? The one remember with the squirrel? Well, <laughs> I I remember watching it and uh Yes, look, oh god. <laughs> and then Max was talking about the squirrel on a, a recent episode <laughs> of Off Topic. But yeah. That cracked me up. I don't remember that scene. I just remember uh what's his name? You stole my story. <laughs> this this was the first episode that Kuhn wrote. Yeah, that that is disappointing. I'm glad that they uh they forgave him, even if they did have to pay somebody mm-hmm. for for accident. And it's good that they did, and it wasn't like, oh, well, we found this thing. Sorry, write a different episode. Yeah, they they didn't pull the or or just try to pass it off as you know. Oh, never mind. He'll, he'll, no one remembers that story. Yeah. yeah. 
That's what Kanye would have done. Apparently, they actually made a... a, uh, Someone actually made a comic book uh, of the original story. I'd be interested in picking that up sometime. Yeah, that'd be cool. See, it was uh, Marvel. Yeah. Marvel Comics World's Unknown, issue 4, November 1973, featured a faithful adaptation of the story. Cool. I wonder how hard that would be to find. It's probably in that Marvel Unlimited thing that they do. They've got all their comics on back, all their back comics. It's like Netflix from Marvel, I I think. Yeah. Something like that. The burn makeup on this guy is uh, problematic. It it looks like uh, w- when you were in school and you used to just put glue on your on your hand, mm-hmm. to, you know, to get the cool like fingerprint thing. Yeah, it, it looks like somebody just put glue on his face. Yeah. So we've we've pretty much come out of the first phase now, and this is the the downtime in between the next big battle. It is kind of structured like a, a western in a sense, you know, where you have conflict and then uh, reflection and then conflict and reflection, whatever. Um, but it's cool in that each conflict is unique. You know, first we have the the um, the, the long range warfare on the planet. Then it's a uh, it's a chase essentially, and then. The, We've got the battle royale at mm. the end, so it's cool. Make it personal. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a commentary on uh, you know the beginning. We've got the the long range trench warfare kind of thing. Uh, I wonder if uh, this episode is trying to say uh, you sometimes you have to make it personal. You have to see the enemy. You have to face him head on. And maybe then you understand your enemy and you show mercy and and things like that. Yeah. Spoilers. (laughs) So here's here's my question. So, like uh, like I said earlier, uh, Cisco says you're battling the Gorn on Cestus Three, and we all say that. Is there any proof that the the battle actually takes place on Cestus Three? Because they're at warp, going toward the Garn homeworld. When so, they when they get kidnapped, there's no proof that the Metreons actually grab them and put them back on Cestus Three. Because Cestus Three was the original planet, right? Right. I don't know. With the fort, maybe he, it is. But either way, he did battle the Gorn on Cestus Three. This is true. Yeah. But I don't think Cisco was talking about that. Remember yeah. when you. Uh, Tell me about when you put that uh, ball in that grenade launcher. <laughs> Had that even happened yet? Oh, that would be embarrassing. If if in trouble or trials and tribulations, he'd gone up and been like, tell me about battling the Gorn. The what? The Gorn. Go- oh. But it had happened. Cestus what? Point. What's wrong with Cestus 3? <laughs> I mean, uh, ooh. <laughs> Nothing. I hear that guy's got really good uh, food. Yeah, maybe you should go down for some chicken. You may want to go down early. Maybe evacuate them, I don't know. And there's Scotty there, so Scotty's even in this episode. 
But they didn't give him hmm. command? Hmm. I think the uh, behind-the-scenes hierarchy of ranks was was different. Poor, uh... I mean, but Tikkei's fine being in command. Yeah. And this is one of the few episodes where once Kirk gets kidnapped, uh, no one tries to mutiny Spock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one tries to overthrow him in commands. So it's one of the uh, one of the rarities. You'd think McCoy would run around being like, "Find where that Gorn is and shoot it with the ship's phasers." <laughs> we can put him on stun. Although they do say, like you know, when, when I think I think it's Bones who suggests that or something going after them, and Spock is like. They could be anywhere, dude. <laughs> Probably not on Cestus Three. Yeah. Or Factor Eight, he calls for, and everybody gives him like, like he just called for ludicrous speed or something. <laughs> Light speed too slow. Well, that is uh, breaking the speed limit, right? That speed limit had not been... That's true. Uh, true. Tearing holes in fabric. We didn't care about that then. They could go to warp 13 at times. That was a dumb idea to begin with. It just takes forever for them to catch up with this with this ship. And we never see it. I mean, even in, even in Remastered, you only ever see it, you know teeny teeny tiny in the distance oh do you oh that's cool yeah well, you know budgets and whatnot yeah i mean that's why you come up with things like cloaking devices and stuff mm-hmm. like uh uh battlestar 1980 i think there were everything got equipped with a cloaking device so they didn't have to take like the raptors everywhere that they filmed yeah, I mean, the, that that show, I guess, really sort of was designed from the ground up to be a cheap version of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> it's weird. And yet you don't feel it. I mean, almost by not seeing the ship, you know, and by not seeing the Gorn the first time out, it sort of adds to the story because it really does tell it from the crew's perspective and, and, uh, you know, add some mystery to the Gorn. And then when you first see that Gorn, um, there's, there's like a smash cut as he whips his head around. And it's one of the, the most amazing cuts in television history. Mm Mm-hmm. So now they're slowing down. So, yeah, I mean, it, it probably wasn't Cestus Three. That would probably be a coincidence because those people, those, those, the Metrons, they don't care. They're just going to, I'm sure they've got an arena to sell yeah, these It's probably disputes. not even a real planet. Maybe they sent them to the Vasquez Rocks because there's no one out there. <laughs> it's there on Earth all along. Mm hmm. Someone's like, Kirk, what are you doing here? Uh, I was. I think this uh, this navigator here, or helmsman, which he's the navigator, right? He would be the navigator, yes. 
I, I believe that that uh, because he looks just like Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the guy they got to uh, to play Pike in Menagerie. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I read that he was in other episodes, and I was like, you know, because he looks just like Captain Pike. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's terrifying. He he shows up at uh, conventions still, and in a wheelchair? No, not in a wheelchair. And oh. like, I am shocked, but I don't know how old he is. But he looks so young for someone to have played, you know, Captain Pike in the original series. Um, it's crazy. Whatever, whatever he's doing, he needs to keep on doing it. <laughs> and he should share it with the rest of us. Yeah. So now everybody's dead in space. Yeah. Like they hit, like they hit a brick wall of space. A Metreon wall. <laughs> I like that the subtitles uh, uh, keep Scotty's uh, accent. <laughs> it's the ones on Netflix. We cannot be moved. <laughs> yeah, the you can see the in the remastered. You can see the Gorn ship, and it's teeny tiny. They just gave it a. A so, general shape. Yeah, so you can't really make it out at all. Huh. Now somebody's just messing with them. <laughs> Turning off the lights, flicking them on and off. It's a rave. Metrons want to have a rave with the <laughs> crew. <laughs> I love how many different cultures there are with space. You reached our space. The Gorn are trying to get to their space. Who are the Gorn? Well, they have space, and we have space, and you've never heard of us. You do see on the uh, in the stellar cartography set, um, you know that they just came out with. Um, there's a painting of all known space, which is done. I think they have like a regular version too, but there's one which is done by an Andorian artist, mm-hmm. and uh, you can actually see the Gorn Gorn space in relation to the Federation. And it's like this little tiny thing in this area of space, which is pretty much all Federation. So you can see how they could get confused and just go a little too far. And, uh, yeah. So the Metreons are, choose your champions and fight. Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh... Interesting, and then something, I don't know, I get the impression from, from fantasy and old you know, f- shows that this is something that used to happen all the time. Send out your champion, and we'll give up if you beat him. I, I doubt that ever worked. I used to do that, like, if I was playing with my Star Wars action figures and stuff like that, right? <laughs> you would, you, they would choose a champion? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd pick out your champion and then, yeah, right? I mean, okay. You wouldn't do that? N- no. No. Okay. No. I I I've had enough stormtroopers that I could do a whole mm. a you whole grant. Whoa. Gorn. <laughs> there he is. Look at that shot. It's amazing. And here we are in the Vasquez rocks. 
Got a great. So have you costume. been? Have you been to the Vasquez Rocks? I know that you wanted to uh, have your wedding there, but did you actually like scout it out at any point? Yeah, we did actually. We 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 went out to L.A. to take a look at it. Um, there, Kirk just said we were placed on the surface of an asteroid. How does he know? So that? the battle does not take place in, because he's narrating the the captain's log, which gives him uh, omniscience. Okay. That that uh, he doesn't normally have. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's 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 weird. It, it it's very similar to to what it looks like here now, although there's less greenery if that makes any sense. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's like 45 minutes outside of LA, you know, so you got to drive up there and uh some narrow winding roads up the sides of mountains or, or something it's kind of kind of freaky actually but there's like no one else out there and then um uh that see okay now these shots right here this fight you know and, and the gorn and, and the way the way that he slowly moves his hand and and the idea that they thought that that was going to be that was going to work that was going to play well on screen <laughs> it's perfect but it but it, it does also uh you know, really um, set the tone. You know, for for the entire original series. I mean, I, I love yeah. it. I love this stuff, and it's like, is it cheesy? Yeah, but it still totally works. I'm still totally into this. Gorn should have bit him in the neck when you, yeah, when he was giving him that bear hug. I love him. Kirk <laughs> he boxes, boxes him in the, the ears. ears. Yeah, and I <laughs> love how in the video game with the Gorn, that's one of his moves. He can box the Gorn's ears. It's great. <laughs> Which one? Which video game? The the, uh, uh, the JJ verse game. The Star Trek video game. Yes, yes. <laughs> as opposed to the Star Trek movie. As opposed to. Right. <laughs> it's it, it's it's pretty great that you can box the Gorn's ears in that game. I also love the commercial for that game where you have William Shatner sitting on a yeah. couch next to a Gorn. They're playing co-op, and then they just reenact this battle. Mm -hmm. I love the, <laughs> just love everything about this battle. Like, this doesn't Kirk, play too well. Kirk picks up a little rock, and he's like, "Aha!" And the Gorn's like, "Okay," and just picks up the biggest rock that you've ever seen, and just throws it at Kirk. Yeah, and Kirk's like, "Oh!" and runs out of the way. <laughs> the 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 arc on that that rock doesn't quite match from one shot to the next, but what can you do? But but yeah, the Vasquez rocks. So you you go up there and it's it's great. I mean, it's really cool because it really is just that. I mean, you can you know reenact that scene no problem. And <laughs> there's pretty much no one else up there because it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, they've got like a little uh, essentially a trailer because it's like a national park or a state park or something. So they got a trailer with a little office with two women in it, you know, and. Um, and they'll tell you all these stories about everything that that shoots up there. You know, they were talking about the when the new movie came up, and they shot like a ton of stuff, and then they went to go see the movie, and none of it was in there <laughs> because there was all the stuff with like you know Kirk's or I'm sorry Spock's birth and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, it it was cool, and it would have been a cool place to have a wedding. The problem is, um, the big problem is that. Aside from a couple of porta potties, there isn't 
a bathroom. There's nothing. There's no running water within about forty five minutes of this place, so that's annoying. And that seemed like mm-hmm. it would be problematic in terms of logistics, and then getting chairs and everything out there, and it, and then the temperatures, you know, were it would be extremely hot. So mm-hmm. we ended up not doing this because it would have been a logistical a logistical nightmare. But uh, it was still pretty cool to to see the place. We were going to go up on the rocks, but. Um, the lady who was kind of like taking us around and everything, she's like, yeah, you know, we've had a a rattlesnake which has been hanging out around here for (laughs) the past few days, and I think it's somewhere up on the rock. And I'm like, okay. Nope. Just like like Kirk, you know, I have a a natural aversion to reptilian creatures, so. (laughs) You did not want to battle the Gorn snake. No, I did not. But... I, I I doubt that the battle would have gone similar. No, no. I hate snakes, but <laughs> I, and I imagine that they would be a lot faster than the Gorn. Probably, probably. But yeah, but it was it was cool. It was cool. You know, we took our picture there and and everything. So that was nice. There was actually I, I just went to C two E two the chicago the big chicago comic book convention and the one thing that i bought was a print from a a gallery here in uh in chicago gallery f where they do like art prints for like Mm -hmm. movie locations but then they like do them almost like tourist photo kind of thing tourist you know posters for that location so like this one it says like it's like vulcan and then you see like the vasquez rocks and then there's like a little Vulcan like standing on the top of it. And then at the bottom it says like Vasquez Rocks, you know, California, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> that, that, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, and I, I like that the, the Gorn here is is setting traps, that the, the Gorn is also intelligent. That, and yeah. not, you know, just a, just a, oh, I've got to fight a mean creature. That's yeah. That's one of the cool things about this episode is the Gorn actually outsmarts Kirk for a good portion of it. You know, Kirk thinks he's being all cool because he's so obsessed with his with logging everything that he's yeah. you know trying which to which the Gorn can hear. Yeah, and the Gorn's just like, oh, I see what's going on. Well, I'm gonna just shut the hell up and let him tell me everything that he's doing. You know, <laughs> I love that. The Gorn outsmarts Kirk. Yeah, I, I like that it it kind of just looks, it, it looks like it is that that you know the bamboo and the diamonds and stuff are stuff that they brought from the studio and they just scattered about like oh here's some bamboo stacked up against this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wonder if the Metreons did that. I mean, you can kind of make it in universe. <laughs> like we're gonna put them on an asteroid that, and then oh we'll, we'll put this here and this here and this here. You would imagine they they would. I mean that makes sense. I wonder if every uh I wonder if every time that that somebody crosses their uh space that they reconfigure the asteroid or something. Maybe. Yeah. Kind of like the Hunger Games. Right. Yeah. The Gorn's not very good at sharpening that, that <laughs> rock. He misses it completely, but it's 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 hard, you know. Hand-eye yeah. coordination. That's pretty high up. I don't think I would go up there. 
but whatever. I guess desperate times call for desperate measures. And 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 the other cool thing, which I, you can pretty much tell from watching it, but especially when you're there, it's like all of this stuff was shot like in the same like few they just feet, you know? Turn the camera around. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, I mean, it's a pretty big, you know, you can go out pretty far and they've got, you know, these rocks all over the place, but then there's the big one in the center, you know, you can really tell. But they probably stayed contained to about the size of a football field here. You know, probably less than that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, I mean, even if it is a place that we've seen in, in TV shows and stuff, we don't have like a, an intimate knowledge of, you know, well, that's right next to that, and that's silly. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, you know, movies that shot in Chicago or whatever. I'm sure you're just like, well, he turned right on that road, and now mm-hmm. he's in a completely different part of the city. You don't this, have that problem with Vasquez Rocks. No, no. This cloud of smoke which comes up here, or dust or whatever, it's that doesn't work too well. <laughs> it really does look like it's coming out of a dust machine or something, you know, from a completely different angle. But that's okay. uh, Kirk totally wily Coyote's the Gorn. It's uh, <laughs> yep. impressive. But uh, Gorn's not down for long. No, no. Kirk's like, oh, I should have stayed up on top of that rock. (laughs) (laughs) You can't keep a good Gorn down. (laughs) Kirk's like, uh, run away. (laughs) And then, oh, oh. (laughs) Then Kirk falls into a trap. Yeah. This scene, I mean, like, if when you watch the scene as it plays out, it it makes sense. Um, it it reads a lot better on film than it does in the Christmas ornament. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you know, I mean, we're coming up here on the shot, which you know you see in every publicity still and everything like that, and it really looks like he could just slide out of there. Like it doesn't. You don't get the impression <laughs> that that rock is on top of him. But when you see the whole scene play out, you can, you can get what they're going for. So, the Gorn is just too slow because he's freaking hot. Yeah, I, uh, I got my picture taken by Bobby Clark, who plays the Gorn. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was really sort of anticlimactic. <laughs> It was like one of those things where, like, I would love to get the picture, my picture taken by the Gorn, and I'm like, now, you know, if I'm, I, if I'm going to go up and ask this guy to do this, I need to, you know, pay for his services. Fair is fair. Yeah. So, I, so I had a Gorn beanie baby, and I'm like, I'm going to get him to sign this, you know. <laughs> so I go up and I'm like, can you sign this? He's like, yeah. And then he signs it, and then I'm like, can I have you take my picture? And he's like, sure. How about you do it in front of this banner? And I'm like, great. You know, so so I he, I he takes my picture, and then I was like, "Thank you very much." And I was about to walk over to pay him, and I think he maybe thought I was walking away. And he's like, "Uh, excuse me, sir, but there's a, a fee for that." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, this just got real awkward real fast." And then I just kind of felt icky, and then uh-huh. I looked at my Gorn, which had like a 
writing on it now, and I'm like, I liked it better when it didn't have any writing on it. <laughs> so I went to the dealer's room and I bought another one. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done with this. <laughs> this is just not worth it. But he was a really cool guy, I have to say. You know, he was really into uh, into taking my picture, which was nice. And uh, he had some great stories about, about filming. So that was You fun. should put all of your pictures up somewhere. Yeah, I should. So that we can... And how do you keep them straight? Oh, well, there's not that many. I, I can usually tell by the setting, you know. Oh, okay. That, that, <laughs> one, that one's really awkward because <laughs> if you look at the picture, it's me and I'm standing in front of the thing and I'm holding the Beanie Baby. But at the same time, like, I could tell that, that you know, because everyone would have trouble with the camera. They could never figure it out because it was one of those cameras where you hold it down and then it focuses and then it takes the picture. Oh. So people would, like, hold down the button and think they took the picture, but it wouldn't take the picture. So, like, he was having trouble with it. And I was in the middle of saying, like, you got to hold down the button when the thing oh, went no. off. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and holding up this beanie baby in front of this banner it's great <laughs> what can you do conventions so now the Matreons are finally letting uh, everybody see the, the glorious battle yes yeah so now we're watching someone watching TV we are now, if you're watching the episode along with us, you're listening to us watch someone, you're watching someone watch us listen to somebody watch Kirk. Yep. And we're <laughs> providing commentary on their commentary. <laughs> and yes, this guy, this DePaul dude is uh, the guy who played Captain Pike. Okay. And apparently he's 70 years old. Never in a million years would you think this guy was 70 years old. If someone were to show me this dude and be like, how old is he? I'd be like, oh, he's got to be like 50 at at the oldest. You know, he, he looks about as young as he does in this thing here. It's insane. Wow. Well, finally, the Gorn speaks. I've mm -hmm. understood everything, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Kirk. They they did the Metrians are doing really well uh editing uh for dramatic. Yeah. They've got a uh, a consultant like um well, you know, they've got one of the, the you know, they got a really good uh technical director is what they call them in in live television, the guys who operate the switchers. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, they got someone who uh, probably, you know, worked in, in late night television. You know, he might have been uh, a Saturday Night Live uh, technical director back in the day. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they go for the best, right? So here Bones and and uh and Spock are debating well not really debating but uh analyzing the situation. Yeah. They're like John Madden and Pat Summerall. 
<laughs> I really, uh, I'd like if, if it was more of a, a sports commentary kind of thing. I guess Spock gets into that. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Kirk picks up that first thing and he's like, is this going to work? No. And he just flings <laughs> it across. Ah. Whatever. Now, I've been told that they tried out this cannon on Mythbusters. Yes, I, I, I've seen this episode. And how, how did it work? It was disastrous. Like disastrous as in someone died? Well, uh, not. Oh. I mean, they, they dressed up their dummy as Captain Kirk oh, and, okay. and sat it next to the, the bamboo thing that they had wrapped and... And they, Just use, like they the used all the same elements and everything? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then it just explodes and shoots diamond <laughs> fragments all over the uh, Kirk analog. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. I think eventually they did... Like, they were able to recreate the... Uh, like they do, they, they change the parameters so that they can recreate the... Uh, uh, the effect. Mm-hmm. So they did. I forget exactly how they did it. I think they just reinforced it a lot more, and they were finally able. They had a cardboard cutout of the Gorn, which is what they were aiming for. And, and they, eventually, they got like shards all over him. Yeah, but see, Kirk only had one shot at that because if if he's if he explodes on the first attempt, then he's not going to get. He's a kind attempt. of dead. Yeah. yeah. I, I never really noticed this before, but the uh, view screen on the Enterprise has a, a wider aspect ratio than television. I wonder what that is. I wonder what they're... Huh. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. I like that it's obviously film, because there were some scratches down the side. Yeah, there's a bit of uh, weaving in the gate as well. And you can see the uh, the, the frame line at the top of the screen there. The Metrians aren't very good proje- projectionists. No. Well, they like, you know, they like it old school. They're like Nolan or, or, or Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, where they go with the 35 millimeter because it's got the higher resolution and they're okay with the uh, sort of organic look. <laughs> Kirk just kind of throws... Oh, no, he's carrying him around. He mixes them later, right? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, he, he uses it. I, 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 there was that's like a little element which doesn't really matter, but to me always like stood out as something which was cool. It's like he's going to use this thing as a cannon, but first he's going to use it as like a a, a, a bag, yeah, to to carry all of his stuff, and he's just going to dump it all out, and yeah, that, that's cool. I like that. It's very very simple and yet very cool. Yeah, I, I like that. Kirk is able to do this. I mean, he's a starship captain. He's not a, a scientist, uh, but he knows enough about chemical compositions and stuff in order to create gunpowder from scratch. I was just about to say that he must have learned it in the Boy Scouts, but then I remembered that Jim Kirk was never a Boy Scout. He was many things, <laughs> but he was never a Boy Scout. So, <laughs> so we have to take her joke Carol Marcus's joke as canon. Yeah. Yes, I get that. Yeah. 
And the Gorn's just wandering around as the Gorn does. Yeah. So obviously there are a million things which have been shot up in this uh, on this location, the Vasquez Rocks. Uh, one of the big ones for me was Roswell, um, which is one of the, the other thing, which is why we, we wanted to get married there is because my wife and I watched Roswell when we first started hanging out and they would always go up here. And the people who were working hmm. there said that they were like, they had a name for them, whatever the Roswell version of a Trekkie is. Roswellians? Yeah, something like that. Um, I forget. No, it was it was like, it was a reference to something in the show. I forget. But they would go, they would find out when they were filming, and they would go and they'd stand up on rocks on like the other side and watch because the park was still open. And since it was like mm. a public space, they couldn't like keep them away. So... Um, so these kids would just go up there all the time and, and watch them filming Roswell. They'd be there like every week or month or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you can see how the cannon does, like, it did explode out the... Yeah. I'm assuming that's the... Is it the bottom or the top of the cannon? I don't even know. It's the bottom. Okay. It should be. Yeah. Poor Gorn. Yep. You can see the the blood and everything. And he's just a little guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even Kirk draws some blood with that knife thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little touch. And then this little Kirk speech, classic Kirk monologue. Uh I think is shouting at the heavens. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really effective and uh iconic. And um uh really strikes to the the heart of of the episode which i mean is one of the other reasons why this episode is so great it's like yes it's got all those things that we were talking about it's got kirk fighting the gorn which is fantastic on sort of a a, a cheesy level and everything but then it's also got like a, a really strong star trek message you know mercy yeah mercy and compassion set us apart from the savages well we're still half savage i guess and in one of the earlier scripts it was actually they were going to destroy the winner oh yeah because the winner was going to be obviously the more uh aggressive and threat Mm -hmm. because if they could figure it out and figure out the weapon and stuff they're obviously smart and dangerous yeah but Kirk showing mercy is just like, fine, then we won't kill anybody. Yeah, that makes sense. Although, the one thing about the Metron here in this speech, which is kind of weird, is he's like, uh, we we sent the Gorn back to his ship because you showed mercy and we're really impressed by that and everything. We can still kill him for you if you want. You want us to do that? <laughs> you, want, you want us to blow it's him like, up? It's like, did no. you not just listen to Kirk's monologue? You know? <laughs> and here we've got another godlike race that we never hear from again. Perhaps in a few thousand years. Yeah. They'll get to it eventually. I mean, come on. It's Star Trek. <laughs> That's what I want. STO, the next chapter of Star Trek Online, mm-hmm. should be the Metreons finally show up and solve everybody's problems. Whenever Kirk appears or disappears, everyone on the bridge is just like, what? 
oh my god <laughs> and they all jump up and leave their stations and a nice little pose guy in the background leaning on the thing yeah it was a really good shot mm. well I, I i wouldn't necessarily say that but no i mean it was really well posed picture. oh yes 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 <laughs> And then the Metrans just threw him across the galaxy for no reason. Yeah. I wonder if they thought that that was going to be a lead into another episode at one point. Kind of like Naked Time. Maybe, yeah. It's weird. I mean, I guess they yeah. just figured, like, we're done with you. Plink. You know, <laughs> now get out of our space. Mm-hmm. Maybe they weren't paying attention to where they were or where they were from. Just as soon as they cross the line, we're going to stop. Just stop you and then we'll just send you away. Go away mm-hmm. over there. So because of this, Kirk doesn't have doubts anymore because he's like, I don't have doubts. Not anymore. I guess. Why is he going back at warp warp factor one? I mean, that's a, They're just gonna just a leisurely stroll. There. Maybe maybe there's still survivors in Cestus three. I don't know. Yeah. It'll take us a while. <laughs> and we'll find out in a few centuries. Yeah. And that's the end of Arena. Arena. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on Arena? I enjoy it. I always do. I think that the uh, ending, I mean, not the ending, the, the middle part with the chase isn't isn't the best, but it, it does give you the uh, break instead of like, we're on location and blow stuff up, and then we're on location again and blow stuff up. I know it was cheaper for them to do stuff on the sets, so I can understand why. It's it, it drags a little bit in there, but I don't know. To me, like the pacing in this episode is a lot stronger than in most episodes of the original series. So I can forgive it. I can forgive it that one little that one little lull. Yeah. Yeah, on the whole I, I agree that you know, like I said, it's one of my favorite episodes. I mean, I have a hard time saying that it's uh better than the trouble with Tribbles, but if not that then if not number one, then definitely number two, in my mind, for the original series. The Gorn, the Gorn is the best. Well, it was fun commentating over Arena today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. DC Fontana. The jeans and everybody saw what she could do and they allowed her to transcend the role of secretary much much as peggy in mad men earl gray saucer separation and usually it's it's said very dramatically the star drive section only (laughs) what like they left half the ship where is it Uh, the other half will come on tuesday could it be in a pocket dimension i don't even know you left space dock without a saucer the ready room Jerry Taylor wrote the book on Janeway. Literally, she wrote the book on Janeway and she reinforced 
that ideal and that history and even made mosaic canon because she could. The orb. Imagining an Abramsverse DS9. I feel like that would be the arc of the first season would be, what are the wormhole aliens? Are they aliens? Are they gods? You know, are they, they smoke powers? monsters? Are they smoke monsters? Is that them around the corner there? Why is there a polar bear on the station? <laughs> to the journey! Top five Voyager action sequences. Of course, I want you to do your Kate Mulgrew impression of her last words in the episode. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> that has to be your best one yet. Oh, thank you. Warp five. Romulans on Enterprise. I think even in Kirshara, the the Romulans might be thinking like we need to infiltrate the Vulcans. We need to bring them back to our side so we can nip this in the bide and make sure that this growing alliance doesn't happen. Commentary, Trek stars. Nemetric part one, Trek. This is actually the one episode where I enjoy Neelix when he's being annoying. But then also he gets a little something something with the Klingon ladies. <laughs> Melodic Treks. Because it is literally these two sinks playing hide and seek in the nebula but all the way through the music is is, is there it's it's keeping you rooted to the, what's going on and it's just a major and integral part of what is going on on the screen literary tricks bones chooses a, about being either a healer or a starfleet officer and he chooses in this situation to be a starfleet officer and it Kind but not easily. No, 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 no. Easily no. Oh, no, no, not at all. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out those shows. Get in on the daily Trek talk. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune. Um, tons of places, even more places. Or you can stream it just from the website. Uh, you can visit Trek.fm slash PD for the podcast directory. Or you can go to iTunes.com slash Trek.fm to get all the links. So if you'd like to contact us about Arena or the Gorn or the Metreons or, or just Kirk karate chopping people in the back, you can uh, go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on Trek.fm doing commentary Trek stars with my friend Max, and you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary track stars off-topic with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me on various places around Trek FM and the general internet at large. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what's your choice for the week? Well, as we discussed, Arena was um, 
not necessarily based, but unintentionally based on a short story by Frederick Brown, also called Arena. And you can actually get this short story on audible.com and you can get it uh, for free. Um, It's part of a collection called Favorite Science Fiction Stories, Volume 4. And it has 22 science fiction stories, including Arena by Frederick Brown. Uh, It's got uh, a couple Philip K. Dick stories, The Golden Man um, and The Hanging Stranger. Uh, And uh, it's got got a number of other things, too. Um, And, hey, I've never read this story, but I think I'm going to check this out because, hey, you know, it's free. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And there's another way you can help us keep Standard Orbit in, in orbit, and that's by uh, uh, donating directly to the website through trek.fm slash donate. Uh, if you donate, you can get uh, some alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi. Uh, they're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which, uh, which illustration you'd like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. And you can get a Gorn. I do have a Gorn. I have it on my on my book bag, a little badge. I have, <laughs> that's also the image that I have on my, my business card. So That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, warp factor one. Hi, sir.